Genentech is getting to the root of healthcare's toughest issues by asking the big questions. What if access and outcomes were not determined by skin color, sexuality, gender, or zip code? How do we move beyond buzzwords to actually make health equity a reality? At Genentech, asking bigger questions and finding the answers leads to action. They're partnering across the medical community to make clinical research as diverse as the world they serve. They're uplifting the voices and expertise of those who are often ignored and most harmed by inequities in healthcare. Learn more about how biotech industry pioneer Genentech is disrupting the status quo to advance health equity at gene.com slash askbiggerquestions. fancy-looking motorcycles. Now we got some military people coming down. So we tell them. So we tell them. We are winding. We are winding. Rock and tough winding. Rock and tough winding. Ready, steady winding. Ready, steady winding. It's the 55th annual Windanch Family Day. Windanch is a hamlet in Suffolk County on Long Island. It's located near the middle-ish of the island, about a 50-minute drive from Manhattan. It's also the birthplace of Rakim, the God MC, who's known as one of the greatest rappers of all time. Hundreds of people from this majority black and brown community line up and down the road, cheering for family members, loved ones, and kids participating in the parade. Members of local church organizations are holding up banners. I see a giant white parade float covered in blue and yellow streamers. Multiple drum lines are setting the beat. There's also a marching band all decked out in purple. The trumpet and tuba players have these gorgeous feathers on their large white hats. There are flag twirlers, the dancers are wearing royal purple and shimmery gold, and they are all just killing it. It's a beautiful, boisterous day. The sky is blue, the sun is out, the air is noticeably clear. And I'm pointing that out because three days earlier, that was not the case. All right, Hicksville, Lovetown, and the rest of the island. Make sure you're staying inside tonight. That air is not safe to breathe. Drop into 54 tomorrow, sun, and again tomorrow. Stay inside as much as possible. 70 degrees on Long Island's number one for all the hits. My name is Nicholas St. Fleur, and this is Color Code, a podcast about health disparities and racism in medicine. As you may know by now, this season we're focusing on Long Island, New York. Today's episode, Air Pollution and Asthma. Just a few days before I was in Wyandanch for the festivities, 
parts of the northeastern United States were covered in this thick, smoky haze. Air quality alerts from Minneapolis all the way east to New York City, all the way down to the Carolinas tonight, in fact. Toxic smoke from the Canadian wildfires. The smog had drifted down from wildfires burning in Canada. During the worst of it, you could barely even see down the block, let alone a blue sky. The sun filtered through the smoke and ash and made this weird, dystopian, Mad Max-like veil. I was driving home to Long Island from a doctor's appointment in New York City that day. As I was passing through the smog on my way back, I was thinking about Wyandanch and the impact that this horrible air quality would have on the community here. Wyandanch has some of the highest rates of asthma-related hospitalizations and emergency room visits on Long Island. Children here are admitted to the ER for asthma complications at double the average rate in Suffolk County and more than triple the Nassau County average. Asthma is one of the most common chronic conditions diagnosed in children. About 4.2 million kids have the respiratory disease, according to the CDC. And black kids are twice as likely as white children to have asthma, and they die at seven times the rate. Childhood asthma can have a ripple effect. Once those kids grow up, many of them are at greater risk for other respiratory conditions. And then you factor in the environment, in crises like wildfires, and it just gets worse. At the block party, I got to talking with Wyandanch community leader and organizer, Letitia Walker. She was born and raised here. She's a trustee on the school board, and she helped plan some of the day's festivities. She's also no stranger to thinking about health disparities around asthma. Her 12-year-old daughter, Christina, she has asthma. Uh, on, on Zoom. But yeah, yeah, yeah. if you were to walk me kind of through that day-to-day as a mother of a young child who has asthma, what, what is that like for you? Well, so it really starts the night before because whatever she was exposed to on the outside, we have to shower that off of her, right? You have to check for her level to see if her chest is tight, to see if there's any mucus buildup. You just got to check her out, see what's going on with her. Again, it's all about the homeostasis, right? A state of homeostasis. And once you do that, she takes a hot shower, if she doesn't need to use an inhaler or a nebulizer treatment, we don't push it. But the next morning, it's the same process. The same process. And luckily for me, being a part of the school system, I can I can check her levels throughout the day if necessary. I call the nurse, the nurse calls me. We, we have a system. When Letitia mentioned Christina's nebulizer treatment, she triggered a memory for me. A nebulizer is a small machine that turns liquid medicine into a mist which you inhale through this mask. When I was a child, I had chronic bronchitis and had to frequently use a nebulizer. We used to call it Nick's machine, or the machine. Now, Letitia said that her family also calls their nebulizer the machine, or Christina's machine. Christina started having symptoms of seasonal allergies when she was six, and she developed asthma when she was nine. Now, Christina was also at the block party. So I asked her about what it was like for her on the days when the air quality was so bad from smoke and the skies were orange. How I felt was like I felt scared and I felt like everything wasn't going to get better until a long time. But when everything started to clear up, I was like, I can go outside more now. And and I could breathe better because before I had my eyes itching and like I was sneezing a lot and my asthma was like really bad. Mm-hmm. during the. Um, Fortunately, the Christina has never had a bad asthma attack at school. But Letitia worries about it. She has impressed upon her daughter the importance of being aware of her breathing. I asked Christina what it's like to live with asthma. It's like no matter no matter how hard you breathe, 
you won't get enough air until you have like an um, like a breathing treatment or an inhaler. Um, and like living with asthma, sometimes it comes at random times. Like you can sneeze and, it, and your chest could get tight. So you have to take your breathing treatment or your Leticia is well aware that Wyandanche has higher asthma rates than its neighboring communities. And the smoke coming into the area wasn't her first experience with the way environmental factors can aggravate her daughter's condition. In 2021, Leticia helped author a report detailing the environmental health problems in Wyandanche. It's unclear why exactly the rates are higher here. But she suspects the nearby incinerator and the crematoriums and factories in the area are contributing factors. To learn more about the potential environmental contributors to asthma in a community like Wyandanche, I reached out to Monica Kraft. She's an asthma expert at the Eichen School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, and she treats patients in New York City. I caught up with Dr. Kraft recently while I was attending the Aspen Health Ideas Festival in Colorado. I think all of us know somebody with asthma, but I think it's it's sometimes relegated as, as a very mild disease, very simple, and it's 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 nothing of the sort. And there's a lot of sort of hypotheses as to why asthma happens. There are certain risk factors that, that are out there. For instance, especially if a, a mother who has asthma is a, is a risk factor, it can be things like you know the environment that the child grows up in, in terms of exposures to even dust and other allergens in the house or outside the house. Certain infections in early life can set up the stage for asthma later. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what kind of impact the environment might have on, on a community when it comes to asthma. I mean, Wyandanche in particular has an incinerator in its backyard, has some crematoriums as well. Tell us a little bit about the impact that those environmental factors might have. Absolutely. They can be very significant. And I think some of those early environmental exposures, especially in, in, in early in life, can have an impact later, no doubt. And knowing what I know about Wyandanche, for a um, suburb of New York, it's quite polluted. Very concerning in terms of the exposures that people who live in that community have. And you couple that with the, with the, um, the statistic that asthma is more common in African Americans, that that could be a very challenging combination. What are these environmental pollutants doing to people's bodies? So what we know, especially depending on the particle size, is important. And we talk about this term PM particle mass 2.5, PM 2.5. Those are very 2.5 microns. So they're very small. They can get actually all the way into the lung to the very smallest airways and even into the air sacs. And just being there can create inflammation. And when we think of the airways, if you think about these, the, I hate to use that, that commercial we see on TV, the, the breathing tubes, but the, the lungs branch 20, 23 times. And they go from the large airways to the small airways and then to the little air sacs where the oxygen goes into the blood. And those airways can get inflamed. So think about airways becoming red and swollen and narrowed. Not, and those airways are also surrounded by muscle, so that muscle can constrict, especially when a person is exposed to certain thing, irritants in the environment. They can be pollutants, allergens, or if they're sick and they have a virus um, or a bacteria, uh, lots of things can cause this airway constriction. Even changes in temperature can do it, especially going into a cold temperature. That's probably the most common. So it's really a, a disease of, of inflammation, redness, and swelling of the airways. And that causes shortness of breath, cough, wheezing, 
chest tightness and, and, and results in a need often to see a, a, a provider to get the right medications to really help understand if it's asthma we're dealing with. So tell us, what is the worry with asthma? I mean, we've all heard of asthma attacks. Is that the exactly. biggest worry? And what is that exactly? So an asthma attack is where there's sort of an acute sort of constriction of the airways. And that it can be very sudden, depending on an exposure. Um, or it can be very gradual over a series of days. Probably the gradual is probably the more common where somebody might have a cold, sinus congestion, uh, or they have allergies where they have chronic sinus congestion, or they're getting a virus or something. You know how, especially when kids get back to school in the fall, that is notorious for the time that asthma attacks happen because they've been away from their friends most of the summer. They get back together. They're all hanging out together and, and kids will get sick. And then um, it'll start in the sinuses and then come down to the lungs. And it can be very scary because it can, depending on how soon it's recognized, um, it may progress to where it can be very significant and often, you know, sometimes need to go to the emergency department, hospitalization, et cetera, um, depending on whether the child has inhalers handy, how that's, how that's viewed at the school. Oftentimes the school nurses hang on to the inhalers. And how educated really the, the school staff is around this too, and how to manage this, and how the and how much the child knows about his or her situation, and how to prepare for situations like this. She said that constantly breathing in air in a location near environmental pollutants like an incinerator could potentially be harmful to a person or a community's health. So you can imagine a setting of, of this, this chronic inflammation from this ongoing exposure. You couple that with some vulnerabilities that a patient might have or a person might have to asthma, whether it be a family history, whether it be those early viral infections, exposure to allergens or history of allergy, that sort of combination then can create a chronic disease. What kind of impact do, do those orange skies, that smoky sky have on a community like Wyandanche? Exactly. So you figure there's already a community that's, that, where there's exposures, whether it be Wyandanche or, a, or um, you know, communities that live near freeways, where um, you know, the, the housing density is such or quality is such that the, the indoor air quality is a challenge, um, especially with certain allergens, things like that. So it only adds to the burden. And so certainly in those patients of mine who don't live in the highest quality housing, who do live in areas with a lot of exposures, whether it be to traffic um, or like you say, factories, that type of thing, it really added to the burden. It was really, it was really a terrible week. <laughs> and so did you see like an increase in hospitalizations and yes, all of that? We did. And emergency department visits. Absolutely. When I was a kid, I used to have uh, chronic bronchitis. Yeah. Um, what... Just out of my own curiosity, like what exactly is chronic bronchitis amongst kids? And you know, I'm not sure that's, I wonder if that was asthma. Right. They used to right. call a lot of things chronic bronchitis or asthmatic bronchitis. Those are really terms we don't really say because hmm. chronic bronchitis is something we actually think of more in the COPD space. They have emph emphysema and chronic bronchitis sort of run under the COPD umbrella, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Chronic bron bronchitis in kids doesn't really make sense because they, huh. so I don't, I think that was probably asthma. Because I had a machine that I would use when I would, uh, uh -huh. you know, come home. A like nebulizer? To, a nebulizer, uh -huh. exactly. I, I, it looked like Dar uh, Darth Vader on yeah. me. I would put uh -huh. it on. We'd wrap it around. And, you know, I'd be like... <laughs> oh, yeah. It was breath actuated. Yeah. Right. So, yep, right. Yep. And I was just always told it was chronic bronchitis. No, it was probably asthma. Well, that would certainly uh, <laughs> explain Have... why, I, why I got winded during cross country. Uh -huh. Absolutely. <laughs> and why I was always in the back of the pack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to learn more about how environmental occurrences like wildfires 
could impact places like Wyandanch. So I turned to my colleague and stat chronic disease reporter, Isa Koitao. She recently reported on how wildfires can cause harmful health effects that disproportionately affect communities of color. All of these different forms of environmental pollution can have really profound impacts, both short-term and long-term. This kind of air pollution from wildfires is particularly harmful. It has these super fine particles that can be inhaled really deep into the lungs and even make their way into the bloodstream, which beyond just triggering an asthma exacerbation or an asthma attack can cause you know, heart troubles, can damage organs in far-reaching parts of the body, and it's been linked to all manner of long-term chronic conditions as well. So it's a big health risk. Why are these wildfires and the smoke that they're spewing across the Northeast, why is that a health equity issue? Well, because like with everything, the people that are the most vulnerable already are the ones that are at highest risk. So people that are living in uh, under-resourced communities that don't have great ventilation indoors that are already bogged down by air pollution from highways and ports and factories and incinerators, uh, they are also going to feel the effects of these other forms of air pollution more intensely. And Black and Hispanic kids, as well as children who live in poverty, have higher rates of asthma as it is. People who have to work outdoors are disproportionately impacted by these events. So there's a lot of different layers of health equity concern here. So when you were speaking to experts, what did they say about how people could maybe protect themselves? What could community members in Wyandanch or on the Northeast do if we see another set of orange skies coming in? I think the biggest thing that all the authorities were saying is stay inside as much as possible, close your windows, um, you know, try not to run gas stoves or fireplaces, candles, things like that. Uh, wearing a KN95 mask that's well fitting, that isn't going to let air come in and out, um, is also helpful. But like I said, the people that are vulnerable are going to be probably the most exposed and the most at risk. So are these situations, are they getting worse? Will we be seeing more wildfires? What are, what are your, the experts you've spoken to? What are they saying? Unfortunately, it, it seems like it will get worse. The experts are saying with climate change that we're likely to see more frequent and more intense uh, smoke situations like this and fires and more people will be exposed. So it's an ever-evolving and ever-increasing issue at this point. What are the solutions to here to make sure that we can ensure that there's more clean air for black and brown communities going forward as we live in this warming world? I think like a lot of things that have to do with health equity, the changes come from sort of grassroots efforts and people that are being impacted by these things coming together and pushing federal regulators and pushing policymakers to make the changes that are most protective of those communities. Often these things go ignored or under-recognized for a long, long time before they reach the public consciousness. So even this issue in Wyandanch with the incinerator and the high rates of asthma, it's people like Letitia Walker and her community members that 
are trying to push for this to get better. Those communities tend to have worse health outcomes for myriad reasons. It's frustrating to feel like it isn't exactly a coincidence that something like this incinerator has been placed so close to a predominantly black and brown community. My colleague Issa agreed. It speaks volumes, the fact that these incinerators are being placed in the communities that they are in the first place. And it raises questions about how we decide where we dump our trash, where we burn our trash, and the consideration we give to the people that live around those incinerators and landfills. I asked Letitia what keeps her marching forward with her hope and her advocacy in the face of these unfair disparities. Well, what keeps you doing all this work, really? I mean, that 12-year-old girl you just saw, her quality of life, their quality of life. Some folks know that things are wrong but don't have the ability, don't believe they have the ability to talk about it. And they trust me to do that. So that's what I'm going to do. Reflecting on the events of that week and how, as my colleague Issa said, these smog-filled days will become more common as our planet continues to warm. Watching the way Letitia fights so hard for her daughter, Christina, and trying to help her manage her asthma, it reminded me of my own mother, taking care of me when I was a kid. The breathing machines, the concern over coughs and chest pains, and just doing everything you can to help your child breathe. Letitia is right when she said that air pollution is an everybody problem and that we all need to come to the table and work together to devise solutions so we can all, especially those of us in communities that are most marginalized, breathe freely. Thank you for listening and being part of our Color Code community. Our team here at STAT is Alyssa Ambrose, Hyacinth Empanado, Teresa Gaffney, and me, Nick St. Fleur. Anil Oza is our intern. Our theme music is by Brian Joel. Issa Cueto contributed reporting. Thanks to the Commonwealth Fund for supporting this podcast. If you like the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe. And if you have any thoughts for us, you can reach us at colorcode at statnews.com. <laughs>